0: Well, good morning on that note. I'm sure as you uh, look in your bulletin, you say, hold on, I thought we were talking about wisdom this morning. And maybe even our uh, guests in the back are going, well, this ain't the church for us. (laughs) You might be saying, all right, this is the church for us. I don't know. And we are talking about wisdom this morning. We are talking about get, getting wisdom. And we're living in strange days. And you know, and we, and we can watch something like this, or at least a lot of us can watch something like that clipping. And, and maybe even gasp and shake our head. And be like, what in the world? What are we doing? And just be taken aback. But then there might be some people maybe even here this morning that are like, hmm. Amen to that. I like that. Well done. Well said. And if there's not people in here that are doing that, I can promise you there's millions of people around the world who are going, yeah. Mm. We're living in some strange days, guys. Uh. A few days ago, Michelle and I were in uh, Richmond at the mall. It was a couple weeks ago now, and um, I always carry a, a weapon with me when I, um, whenever I'm out, really, uh, whether I'm working or not. And um, we said, I, I brought up, I said, you know, what, what would you do, honey, or what what should we do if a, a shooting broke out here in, in this mall? And uh, we went kind of back and forth on well. Uh, you know, honey, I think if, if it was just me and you, you know, you, you should save this for later, but seriously, you should probably go out to the van and just, you know, get it warmed up for me and, and be ready. Uh, You know, I might need to go and said, well, you know, you don't know those people, uh, you know, uh, maybe you should come with me. The kids aren't here, so, you know, they're not they're not needing to be protected. And uh, we went back and forth on that. I was like, man, what what is my role? What what am I supposed to be doing? I'm not working. I did take an oath years ago to protect the citizens of the Commonwealth of Virginia. What is my role? What is Michelle's role? If the kids were there, is it different? So we went back and forth on that a little bit while we sat in the mall and waited for our phones to charge. But eventually we moved on. And every, every time we have a deacons and elders meeting, somebody is tasked with, and I'm trying to stay put to this thing just in case somebody is, is listening, but uh, um, somebody is tasked with bringing a devotion. Uh, to start off our meeting. And so I'm always looking, uh, as I'm on the Internet, looking for different uh, articles and things like that, something that might strike me, something that uh, I think would be a good uh, something to bring to the to the table. And as I was looking, after Michelle and I had had that conversation, I found this article, and uh, it's from Breakpoint, Eric Metaxas. And the article is... Uh, Titled, Protect Me, Why Masculinity is Good. I thought, well, this might be something. Maybe I can bring this home and, you know, this would be a good devotion. Something that might clarify some thoughts between Michelle and I. And, you know, what our roles are, what's my role in, in a bad situation. And, of course, it might be a good Devotion. I'll read just the first little bit of the uh, article. It says, male and female, God created us. That means he created masculinity and femininity, which is a hard word to say. Lose one or the other, and bad things happen. At UCLA, students recently formed the Toxic Masculinity Committee, designed to help men understand, among other things, that their Innate drive for aggression is a bad thing. But is it? The women of Cypress, California might disagree. And then it goes on to describe uh, an encounter that a man named Ishmael Durante came about when he was walking in a store. uh, And he, he noticed this man following his daughter, who was trying to film his daughter. So he stepped in between and nonchalantly got the man to walk away. But then he noticed the man come back. And so Durante, of course, his toxic masculinity came into play. And he pounced on this guy because he was trying to film uh, things that he should not be filming. Knocked the phone away from the guy, and the guy ended up getting away. But he, uh, Durante, filmed uh, this guy get away and got his license plate and all this stuff, and he, he ended up being arrested. But the article goes on to, of course, make the argument that masculinity as God created it is a good thing. I thought that's a, that's a good article. But it gets better. A few days ago, I uh, sat down to watch TV and I, of course I cut it on ESPN to see what in the world was going on in the wide world of sports. Watched a little bit and they talked about whatever they talked about and then a commercial came on and it was this commercial and I sat there and I went and what? I gasped. My mouth came open and I thought this has got to be a joke. Where's the punchline? At the time we had, uh, of course, my whole family was at our house and the Roberts were there, most of them. And uh, so I apologize to you guys because you're like, we have seen this. But they were there and I thought, this is a teachable moment. So I ran out and I gathered everybody up. I said, y'all got to get in here right now. And so they're all probably thinking, Dad's going crazy. What's going on here? And I gathered them all in the living room. And, of course, with today's technology, I had paused the TV, and then I was able to rewind the TV to get it to where I wanted. And I let them watch that commercial. Some of them had an awesome response, kind of like mine. Some of them, not quite as much. But then I read them this article, and it just tore me apart. That this is the world that my kids are having to grow up in. Because I'm able to look at that and go, oh, that's the silliest thing I've ever heard. But are my kids? Some of them are. Some of my kids might have been like, what's the big deal, Dad? Some of your kids might be like, what's the big deal? And so Michelle and I sat around uh, for a few minutes after everybody dispersed and went on to do whatever they did. And we kind of talked about... This is, this is the world we live in. It's a shame. And the fact of the matter is, if nobody's out there giving a, a, a counter-argument to something like that, then we're going to fall for that stuff. And I said, I, I, I need to change my sermon topic. I'm gonna, I need to, This needs to be addressed. But then we kind of talked a little bit more, and, and she, she actually made the point that, no, you don't actually... What we need to combat that is godly wisdom. I thought, you're exactly right. So the reality of it is, guys, is that life is tough. Satan has set up pitfalls all along the way for us to fall into. And so navigating through life is incredibly hard. And apart from God, we will fall for all this stuff. Apart from God... We, we can become lukewarm. Even if we call ourselves Christians, we can become lukewarm and ineffective, neutral. And that's, that's no good for the kingdom. And godly wisdom is a gift from God. It is something that can only come from God. And So, apart from your relationship with Christ, you'll fall for anything. That is our need for wisdom. So if you're kind of keeping track with the points here, we're going to transition to the second point. The call to wisdom. So most most of you guys are more than aware of the fact that this past Wednesday we started uh, our youth group, kind of restarted it after a few years of uh, being dormant, and um, about 20 youth showed up. Roughly 20 youth showed up. It was pretty good. It's a good turnout. We had a few kids that came that uh, go to another church. We had all the youth from this church um, with the except, exception of Drake. Yeah. Exception of Drake. We waited like 45 minutes waiting for Drake. Just everybody staring at the windows. I'm just kidding. We got started right on time. Well, we did ask, where's Drake? But it was a good time, and I think it's going to be uh, a very good uh, Bible study. And uh, as we showed a couple of weeks ago, we're going to be studying the book of James. And uh, James is, is incredible because he's basically saying, hey, if, if you say you have faith, but there's nothing there backing it up. Like if we don't have, if we don't see any evidence of your faith that you claim to have, you might want to rethink that faith. Maybe you don't have that faith that you're talking about. And if you say you have faith and you're saying that you're that you are doing these things, but you're doing them like this, well, maybe you're not doing it right. Do it like this. I want to turn to James uh, chapter one. We'll read one through five says James, a servant of God and Lord Jesus Christ to the twelve tribes scattered among the nations. Greetings. Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything if any of you lacks wisdom he should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault and it will be given to him we are truly called to wisdom and I'm going to steal uh, the, the I guess the commentator the teacher of this Bible study of the James series that we're going through is Matt Chandler he's a pastor of a Big church down in Texas, and um, I'm going to steal kind of the analogy uh, that he gives, and I can't remember who said it. Basically, I'll steal it this time and give him give him credit, but after that, it's it's mine. I like I'm stealing that too. I'm saying as well. Basically, Pastor Chandler he he gives the analogy that that James is basically saying here. And he puts it in the context of a father speaking to his child. And so I'll speak from my standpoint. I'm a 37-year-old father and I'm constantly talking to my 13-year-old son. He actually told me a couple weeks ago, he said he'd rather have a spanking than a lecture. I was like, what? And I'm torturing this kid pretty much. But the father is constantly pleading with his son and warning him and directing him, guiding him, saying this way, son, don't do it like that. Do it like this. Don't do that. I'm telling you, son, that's not going to end up good. I've been there. I've done that. I'm 37 years old, son. I've been 13. Can you fix and you're and to turn 14. I've been 14. I've thought just like you're thinking. I've been there and done that. Don't go down that road because it's going to be bad. One day you're going to have these thoughts. Ignore them. Battle against them. Pray against them. I'm 37. You're only 13. I've had the conversations more in a practical sense with my kids. Don't get a $40,000 degree in basket weaving when you go to college. It's a terrible... Investment, you will regret it. I've seen people do that. I'm 37. I've seen it happen. And they all regret it. None of them are like, I'm glad I got all that debt on this terrible degree that's never going to be used. None of them say that. Don't do it. Or even something more recently in my life. Little brother, are you sure you want to go to California? With nothing to your name, no money, nothing—all those great dreams. Are you sure that's what you want to do? Telling you, it's probably not going to turn out like you think it is. Just a few short weeks later, so you're back in Richmond. Hmm. It didn't turn out like you had dreamed. I'm sure we can all sit here. Hopefully, as I'm giving this analogy, we're all going, yeah, I remember giving advice to such and such. And they just they didn't listen. And now they're paying for it. But the analogy that Pastor Chandler gives, it continues on. And it's as though God is saying through his word, through James. Hey, Sam, I know you're 37 and you've seen a lot. I know you've been there and done that and got the t-shirt. I know it. I know you've got people figured out. I know that. But maybe you should listen to me. Because I am the creator of people and I really have people figured out. I have truly seen it all. I've got all the t-shirts. I've got the ones you don't even know they made yet. Listen to me, Sam. You don't have it all figured out. Or even somebody as old as Corky. (laughs) Corky, I know you're 60-some. Who matters what end of 60, it's 60s. I know you've been there and done that. You've seen it all in the county of Nottaway. You've seen it all. But maybe you should rethink that. Maybe you shouldn't put it like that. Maybe you shouldn't do that. And Corgi has not done anything deserves that. He he didn't. It's no backstory to that or anything like that. Just so y'all know. Just a few months ago, uh, I made what I would call a rash decision, an emotional decision, to handle a situation uh, in a way that I shouldn't have. And even before I did it, my wife, from God, of course, saying, "Sandwich." You sure you want to put it like that? You sure you want to do it like that? Yes. I am very sure, honey. I've thought about it. I know what I'm doing. It'll be okay. I won't regret it. As soon as it was all over. I was like, dang, it. Boy, if I could take that back. I would. James 1.5 says we should ask for wisdom if we lack it. And everybody, we all lack wisdom at one point or another. And I don't mean just once in your life. I mean, like, at different points. We all lack wisdom. We all think we're smarter than we really are. We think we all have it figured out at some point. And God is up there through His Word saying, no, 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 just follow Me. Don't do that because guess what? Things are going to go bad for you. You're going to make that decision, and I'm telling you, Sam, you make that decision, things are going to go bad, and your life is going to become a mess, and you will be ineffective for the kingdom. Satan will have you exactly where he wants you. Proverbs 4:10, you know, I've turned there. I know it wasn't in the bulletin. Proverbs 4:10 through 12. Says, listen, my son, accept my words, and you will live many years. I'm teaching you the way of wisdom. I am guiding you on straight paths. When you walk, your steps will not be binded. When you run, you will not be, or you will not stumble. Verse 19 But the way of the wicked is like the darkest gloom. They don't know what makes them stumble. And then chapter 8, verse 1, it says, Does wisdom not call out? Does wisdom not call out? It is by God's grace that wisdom calls out to us. And as believers, I get the sense through Scripture that we're all called to wisdom. We're all called to seek wisdom from God. So how can we walk out wisdom I always like to make things uh, as as practical and real life as I can, uh, maybe because that's just the way I think. Uh, I don't think real. Um, big, broad, I guess, sometimes. And so when I get into God's word, I, I, I tend to try and think of how does this how, how can I put this in today's life and into, into my life? How does this affect me? How can I walk this out? So what are characteristics or elements of wisdom that makes wisdom so valuable? We're not talking about just common sense here. We've all seen people without common sense. Oh, he's got books in. He ain't got no common sense. We've all seen those people. So not picking up somebody who's carrying an axe and they're hitchhiking, not picking that person up, that's common sense, right? Not getting on a roller coaster after eating a funnel cake topped with vanilla ice cream and powdered sugar and, and fudge syrup and a large Coke. That's common sense, although I've seen it done. Not smoking cigarettes on airplanes. You would think is common sense. But for whatever reason, for years, it was okay. get it. How about taking the job, that new, awesome-looking job? It's shiny. It pays really good money. It's prestigious. It does have long hours. Lots of travel. Far from home. That's... Maybe not common sense. What would that do to our relationship with our family? What would that do to our relationship with Christ? That's not common sense. That's tough. That's a hard decision. I don't know. Now think about that. And the decision you make could rock your world if you make the wrong one. Pastor Steve Harden referred to Proverbs 1 in a sermon When he was breaking down wisdom. And he he offered some really good insight. And I just wanted to point him out. When it comes to how we walk out wisdom in our lives. Just in case I said Steve Harden. My kids, they love Steve Harvey. I just don't want them to get it mixed up. Because I get home and I'll say, I didn't know Steve Harvey was a pastor dad. Well, he's not. So let's turn to uh, Proverbs chapter 1. The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel. For learning wisdom and discipline, for understanding insightful sayings for receiving prudent instruction and in righteousness, justice and integrity for teaching shrewdness to the inexperience, knowledge and discretion to a young man. Let a wise person listen and increase learning and let a discerning person obtain guidance for understanding of proverb or parable. The words of the wise and their riddles. I'll save 7 for a few minutes from now. So as I, as I go through these there's there's six points I'm going to bring out. There's six characteristics or elements to wisdom that I'm going to point out here and as I go through them I want you to just underline them in your Bible. In verse 3 Solomon mentions, mentions instruction. Instruction, the idea of being educated through correction. And we've all been educated through correction at one time. Just a couple of days ago, I had to educate one of my children through correction. For wh- why? Why should we not uh, carve into wooden furniture? What is so? What is that? Good or bad? We should not carve into wooden furniture some weird design that wasn't meant to be there. So I had to correct that to give good instruction and educate through correction on that. And God, for years, for many, many years, has had to educate me through lots of correction on how to live with my wife in understanding and in an honoring way. Because I had no idea what I was getting into. And and it's not like my 17-year-old wife knew what she was doing either. She didn't come with an instruction manual on how to understand me, and live with me in an honoring way. She didn't have one. If she did, I got a box that didn't have the instruction manual in it. So it wasn't my wife, as awesome as she is. It was through God's grace. God taught me by using her. He educated me through lots of correction, and I'm sure there's a lot more correction coming my way. Lots of trial and error. But think of some times in your life where God has had to educate you and teach you and grow you through correction. Instruction, that is walking out wisdom. Verse five, discernment, the ability to look at two different things and see what God sees, to tell the difference between good and evil. One that comes to my mind is staying away from that flirtatious guy or girl at the office who's, well, they're married, you know, they're, they're, they're supposed to be taken. I'm taken. Staying away from that flirtatious person. They're supposed to be nice and all this stuff. But Satan may mean that for evil. How about this? Kind of like what we just saw this morning. Hearing a sermon or reading a Christian book that you got at the Christian bookstore. And being able to hear that and go, hold on, what in the world? That's, that's not what God's Word says. That's not what God did. It, they're saying that that's what God's Word says. They're supposed to be representing Christ here. And that's not at all. What God's word says. What in the world? I think of the time a few years ago, a couple of years ago now, uh, and I've shared it with you, I think, uh, where I turned the channel to one of the uh, telepastors. And uh, I had my, two of my kids with me, Jaden and Peyton. And I just let, I turned it there and I just let it breathe for a couple of minutes. Let the man talk. Let him preach. And after a couple of minutes, both of them were like, "And it." One of the most proudest moment, moments in my parenting life was when they were both like, "I didn't." I, and I didn't prod them. I didn't say, "What do y'all think about that?" Nothing like that. And they both were like, "Dad, what is he talking about?" That's not what the Bible says. And I thought, Lord. <sighs> thank you thank you discernment god had blessed them with discernment wisdom in that moment they were able to hear this man standing there and preaching prosperity i can't say his name preaching prosperity and such and they were able to have discernment from god to say that's not right Something isn't adding up there. Because, Dad, what you've shown me in the Bible, that ain't what he's saying. He's saying two totally different things. That is walking out wisdom. Verse 3, understanding. Understanding. Now this kind of goes back to discernment, but this goes a step farther in, in the sense that it says this refers to why God prefers one over the other. Why is one right and the other is wrong? So kind of understanding God's reasoning. And this kind of takes us a a step farther into having to know Christ a bit more. So maybe not just knowing the fact that the Bible says drunkenness is a bad thing. Drinking alcohol to a state of intoxication is a bad thing. Not just knowing that fact, but... Lord, what are you trying to save me from here? What's down that road that you don't want me to get into? What's what's there? Why 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 is that a bad thing? And I really I can't help but to think that if you think about Adam and Eve in the garden and if they'd have had a little bit of understanding and discernment. So maybe discernment when When Satan was hanging out with them and talking to them, maybe if they'd have had some discernment to say, that snake isn't exactly who he's kind of representing he is right now. Maybe he's bad. And understanding in the sense that, hey, when God told us not to eat from that tree, I think this is what he meant. This is what he was getting at lack of discernment and lack of understanding. And they fell. Prudence. In verse 3. I like this one. Hardin refers to prudence as a spirit-born cleverness. Spirit-born cleverness. And typically when we think clever, we think maybe somebody who's more like Slick-Willie. You know, he's a fast talker. He's clever. Yeah. This is a good cleverness. Cleverness that understands the trends of events and the inherent danger and is able to avoid the pitfalls. I kind of like to think of this as um, seeing the ripple effects of a decision well before you even make the decision. And this always makes me think of... uh, are good friends in Washington. They have so much prudence when it comes to decision making. They're able to see that if we make this... And I'm being very sarcastic. As a matter of fact, I think they could use a lot more prudence. Because they love to make decisions that on the face of them, they sound really good, they look good. You know? Free college tuition for everybody. Everybody that sounds great. Now you can get that degree in basket weaving and it won't it won't hurt. That's awesome. But what's the lasting effect of that? What's that going to do to society down the road? How's that going to affect this world? What kind of financial impact will that have if if we do that? So seeing those ripple effects, not just thinking of the here and now, but seeing how things will be down the road. How about the example that I kind of started just a few minutes ago about taking that nice, beautiful job, the one that's real nice and shiny? Like I said, it's prestigious, man. This thing looks really good on your resume. Real good. More money, so that's good. It's great because it's a lot more money. There's long hours. You're going to make a bunch of overtime too. That's going to be awesome. You're going to be away from home. Lots of travel. So you're going to see the world. So that's cool. Of course, you won't be with your family when you're seeing the world. You'll be with some other people. Prudence. What is that going to do? If I take that job... What is that going to do to my marriage? How's that going to affect my marriage? Right now, maybe we're thinking, oh, this will be good. All that extra money. What's that going to do to my marriage in the long run? Is it going to break things apart? Probably so. What's that going to do to my relationship with my children? Is it going to mess that up? Yeah. When they only see daddy for a few minutes a week? Yeah. That's going to go downhill. How about my relationship with my church? My service to the Lord through my local church? What's that going to do to that? Well, you know, I guess I'll only be there once every three or four weeks. So maybe on the surface it looks like that's a great decision. You ought to do that. But maybe practicing a little bit of prudence would help us to see that, you know what? That's a terrible decision. Terrible decision. And all these things, they're not necessarily, they're not evil things. They're not evil things. But maybe they're things that Satan means to uh, trip us up in life. That Satan means to trap us into a, a world of, again, ineffectiveness for him. Maybe that's what Satan means. And maybe God is trying to help us to avoid those pitfalls. Verse four, knowledge, not just having information on a subject, but to have knowledge due to experience in that field. So anytime I uh, sign up for a class that I may be interested in, I always I like to know the background of the instructor. Um, so if I if I was to go to a shooting class, I really hope that that instructor has shot a gun before. If he hasn't then I'm going to be like, oh, this is a waste of my time. Or an accident investigation class. I really hope he has investigated a few accidents in the field. Or else maybe he doesn't really know what he's talking about. In the same way, when you're around a person who has truly knelt their knee to God, they've given their life over to Christ, and they have experienced him. There's just something different about that person. Let's compare. Let's compare uh, the the guy on the, the historian on the History Channel, who is uh, running his awesome documentary on who Jesus may have been, the historical figure of Jesus Christ, who he may have been. Well, he was a good man. Uh, surely, he had an impact on society. These things. But you really get the feeling that the History Channel is not producing a great theological product. Let's compare him to somebody like the Apostle Paul. Did he experience Christ? I think he did. I see Dr. Wine chuckling a little bit like, well, Sam, that's a silly question. You're right, it is. He certainly experienced Christ when he got knocked off of his Horse or donkey, whatever he was riding. And Jesus said, what are you doing persecuting me? Why are you attacking me? There's a difference. There's a difference between these two. One has some information. You know that History Channel guy? I'm sure he's he's probably a doctor. Very few of us can make it to the great standard of doctor. Only a couple in here. So I'm sure he's super smart, got a lot of information on who he thinks Jesus may have been. But does he have the knowledge of Christ like somebody like the Apostle Paul? Somebody who has experienced, been with Jesus. In verse four, discretion It's the last one. I'm going to speed it up. Making the right decision in a situation while most of the time not causing offense. Discretion. And the thing about discretion is you already know the right decision. You already know what's right and wrong. We've already, You've already got that part down pat. You know the right decision to make, but actually making the right decision in that moment. That's not always easy. How about avoiding topics of conversation that that's foolish and will bring about sin? I know I know I shouldn't be talking about that. Well, then don't talk about it. Avoiding items or areas of known temptation for you. A couple of weeks ago, my wife, we were doing something with the satellite. I think getting a new remote. And they were like, hey. You want the movie package? I just need a remote. But you, do you want the movie package? <laughs> well, let's think about it. What does the movie package bring? And by the way, it's a great deal. It's like five bucks extra a month. That is only that's cheap. Well, let's think about what the movie package brings. Well, it's it might bring a couple of cool movies once in a while. I don't know. But is it going to be a, a possible pitfall down the road for me and my kids? You know, are there going to be some, some trash movies on? Yeah. Hey, let's just get the remote, not the movie package. How about that? How about to speak to today's young folks? Don't get all red on me. Let's say you have an issue with, with having uh, the Internet on your phone. Maybe you ought to stick to a flip phone. I'm serious. Maybe you ought to stick to a flip phone. Don't get a smartphone if that's an issue for you. If you know it's an issue for you, stay away from it. Use a little discretion there. Be smart. Why why put yourself into a situation where you're going to fall? Confronting a friend who is in sin in a way that doesn't offend them, but leaves them feeling loved and cared for. So choosing your words in a good way. So guys, those are the six points. And when you practice these, you're walking out wisdom. And again, I, don't, I don't want to be very clear that godly wisdom is, is a gift from God. You can have some worldly wisdom and pick the right stocks and bonds and things like that, and that's great. Pick the right degree to get, the right car. That's good. But godly wisdom. How do you stay on the path that God has you on that will glorify Him in life? That will bring glory to His kingdom? We're going to need to walk out these Elements of wisdom. We're going to need to walk out wisdom in order to stay on that path so that we don't become ineffective for Christ. Satan doesn't always have to turn you into a a heroin addict to become ineffective for Christ. Sometimes just a slight veer off the path that Jesus has you on is, is enough. Just to distract you just enough to where you're nothing for the kingdom. And, to, and to, just to close it, I guess, at this point, guys, uh, and it's not a, a point in your bulletin. Uh, and I kind of wrestled with whether or not to, to even say anything, but it's and, and that's why I kind of saved it to later, because I wanted to continue to wrestle in my brain, I guess. That's nice. Um, but verse seven in Proverbs chapter one, it says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. So what is it to fear the Lord? As I read through Proverbs and Ecclesiastes and things like that, you kind of get the sense, or I do, that the fear of the Lord is is that moment where God shows Himself to you. And most of the time for us, that's, that's kind of a moment of Reverent fear where you go, I thought I was doing okay until I saw you. Because the bar that I was setting myself to, that I was comparing myself to was right here. That's not even the bar. I thought that was the bar until I found Christ. The bar is up here. Lord, don't look at me. Oh, Lord, don't look at me. Please don't look at me, Lord, because I'm... I'm filthy. I don't even deserve to be in Your presence, God. Reverent fear. Lord, don't strike me down. Just give me a minute to explain. Don't strike me down. But what's good about that, it's the beginning of knowledge and wisdom. What's good about that is all these things, all the wisdom, knowledge, understanding... It all points to Christ. It all goes back to Christ on the cross. In the sense that when we have that understanding, when we have that knowledge, that we see ourselves compared to Christ and we repent. We repent of who we are and our sin and we come to Jesus. It all points back to Christ. Christ. So guys, uh, that's my word this morning. And wisdom is truly calling out to us. It is crying out to us. As Proverbs 8.1 says, wisdom is crying out. So let us practice instruction, discernment, understanding, prudence, knowledge, and discretion. Let's pray. Lord, uh, we thank you for this morning, Lord. I thank you for this time to uh, preach your word and to bring your word, Lord. And I do ask specifically, um, Lord, as a body, Lord, as a body of believers, Lord, that you would enable us to walk out wisdom as we seek you in life. May this church walk out wisdom. May we practice these different elements when it comes to decision-making, Lord. May we honor You in all we do, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.